First off, I'd like to welcome our listeners back to the Southwest Ohio Swimming Podcast. The purpose of this podcast is to discuss, publicize, share, any and everything, literally any and everything about all aspects of competitive swimming. If you've been listening to our past podcast, you know that we're not just in, in, in Southwest Ohio. That was our original name, and I'm an old guy, so I don't change things, you know? Hey, but uh, that's the way it is. Now, we are going outside of Ohio today, uh, way outside of Ohio, and you're going to have a special treat today. Before I get to that, uh, I want to talk to you about the uh, Jose Serta Aquatic Foundation. The Dinner Gale is coming up on May 18th, 2019 at 6 p.m. It's going to be held in the Phoenix, uh, the Phoenix downtown, 812 Ray Street, Cincinnati, Ohio, the Archway Ballroom. Now, if you're not familiar with the Jose Serta Aquatic Foundation, Google it. It does good stuff for swimming here in the southwest Ohio. Now, now, even if you're outside of southwest Ohio, it's helping swimming. So feel free to get on the website, and if you, even if you can't be there, buy a ticket. It's uh, the seats are fifty. It's uh, the tickets are fifty-five dollars each. It goes to run clinics here. They bring in Olympians uh, to help run the clinics. And you know we pay they they are paid to come in to do that because you know that some of them are professionals or so that's how they're making their living. Um, Travis, or, I'm sorry, Davis Tarwater, a 2012 Olympic gold medal. He was on medalist. He was on the four by two free relay, and uh, he was also at the World Cup. He's going to be here as a guest speaker. So if you get a chance, check out that website and uh, buy a ticket. If you can show up, I'll be there. I'll be there. And in fact, we're going to have a special uh, podcast on the Jose Serta Founda- Aquatic Foundation on Friday. We're going to have, uh, um, uh, well, I'm not going to tell you who's going to come in. We're going to have the founder of the, of, the, of the foundation come in. So that's what you need to know. Hey, I want to welcome you back to the podcast. This is old coach Bill. Um, my producer, I'm the, I've done a lot of things, high school swimming uh, coach, uh, dr- uh, YMCA Dryland, parent of a swimmer lifelong. Now, my producer, who's assisting me as usual, is Jonathan Provitt. He take He's going to help me with all the technical stuff, which I don't know how to do. Those, from, from, those of you familiar with me know that I can barely turn on a computer. Now, he's a D1 college swimmer, was a D1 college swimmer, high school coach, and summer club coach. Now, we've got a special coach here visiting us today. We're going to talk about a program that has – I, uh, I hope he, hope I've got this correct. You've just completed, you just won your fifth NCAA Division II Men and Women Championship. Is that correct, Coach? That is correct. Okay, I have Coach Jeff Dugdale from the Queens University of uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. Now, this is amazing. We're talking about uh, the fifth year, so I think we might, uh, maybe you wouldn't do this because pri- you, know, you don't want to be too you know, pr- prideful here, but I would say that's beginning, at least beginning of a uh, – Dynasty. How about you, Coach? <laughs> well, I appreciate that. I've heard people call that. And, and before I go forward, I do want to say and make a plug for your um, benefit there. Um, Davis Tarwater, right over my uh, shoulder here is a cap of Davis's uh, um, and his gold medal. And um, Davis was with us when he made the Olympic team and won a gold. And what an incredible story if you haven't heard it. Because if you know anything about the story, he um, he is going to really create an experience for that fundraiser that nobody else will be able to give because he will be able to cover a spectrum in the fact that he um, he experienced failure. He missed his third Olympics in a row, and he was home eating uh, eating pizza when we got the phone call that he actually. Uh, Michael Phelps uh, canceled his 200 freestyle and uh, scratched it, and it pulled Davis in, and he ended up having one of the fastest splits and uh, winning gold on the relay. So what a great story from from the the ultimate disappointment 
to the ultimate success, both ends of the spectrum. He'll offer an experience like no other. Make sure you get your tickets and go and enjoy Davis Tardwater. Now I'm 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 sidetracking from you from your program right now. But was he one of your swimmers? Uh, he was. He was oh. one of our swimmers at um, at Team Elite uh, because we've run the Team Elite program out of here uh, since 2012 with uh, Coach David Marsh, and uh, we've had him and we won eight medals in 2016. Um, six gold, a silver, and a bronze with Kathleen Baker, Katie Miley, Anthony Irvin, Ryan Lockie, uh, many others, uh, Michael Lawrence, um, now Michael Summerall. So we've had a lot of fun swimmers out of this pool here. Well, I'll tell you, Coach, we primarily, I, I primarily plan on talking to you about your, your university program, but I'll tell you what, if you want to t- take a, after we do that or somewhere through that, however you want to work in it, you want to cover more Team Elite news, that'd be great also. Do not limit yourself. We'll just go. Let's um, let's just go with it. We've had uh, lots of great opportunities, and um, it's a lot of fun. Um, uh, we've had a good vision here since we started the program in 2000, uh, 2009. Um, basically, two thousand nine, two thousand ten was our first um, our, our startup. So we're at nine years. We just finished our nine years, and and uh, we've been blessed to win five on the men, five on the women, and. Um, We've done that with a very good strategic plan and one that was laid out and how, how to really make an impact in the world of swimming. And um, we, we feel like uh, we've, we've done it very successfully um, and we've, uh, we're seeing some of the success as well because we've one of our swimmers, Marius Kush, would have been fast enough to win Div- Division One Hunter Fly, um, NCAA's Hunter Fly. And... Uh, and he would have, uh, in our, I mean, we would have done very well in Division One as well. But the, the, the moral of the story is we wanted to show Division Two, and we wanted to show the world, we wanted to show the U.S., we wanted to show the NCAA that um, Division Two is not a um, step below. It is a, another option for those who need other options, if that makes sense. I understand um, that. That everybody yeah. wants to get pushed. And sometimes uh, we had Matt Josa on deck today. Matt Josa came back and he swam with us two years before going out to Cal. And one of the things, uh, Matt, uh, this is home. He feels like this is where he got to start. And, and this is um, what he needed to get him um, going. So my whole thing is, is that I just wanted to share with you is that um, that's what division two, that's what we wanted to do. That was our vision was to create another option for world-class swimmers so they could come in and have a smaller ratio of classroom to um, professor and, um, and focus on international level, uh, Olympic level, uh, NCAA swimming. Well, that, that's, that's amazing. How many Olympians have you had so far? Well, we've had um, Patrick Castro Ortega, who was um, for Spain, okay. who swam for us, and she's the NCAA record holder in the IM. Both IMs, the both all, um, 100, uh, not the 100 anymore. That got broken this year by one of our girls, but she was of the 100, 200, and 500 freestyle, and um, and a lot of our relays. But um, And then she was for Spain. We've had Dion Dreesen's. Um, Dion was with the Netherlands. He was in the 200 free and 800 free relay as well as the 100 free. And um, we've also had, um, now we have, we're trying to get ready for Olympics, uh, Marius Kush. And um, and then we've had all of our non-collegiate, but we've had our Olympians that have been training out of our pool. Um, that's pretty fun here too. So, 
Well, that's, uh, I, you know, I, uh, I knew about the NCAA, but I'm, I, it's great to, when you get into something like this and you find so much more than just your, your uh, university and NCAA experience, which, which is, uh, I've discovered lots of things talking to college coaches, sometimes a little weird and strange, but always interesting. It's amazing that what you've got there. Yeah, I don't think. Well, what we want to do is is um, create a soup to nuts program. We have one of our alumni who's coaching a club program, and he was North Carolina Coach of the Year. He's he's producing some incredible swimmers, and Jeremy Gregory, who's our first ever All American. Um, we have our um, All American and, and assistant coach and um, associate head coach John Long, who is also a swimmer with us. And there's this immense uh, family and this. Um, this loyalty that's built in and we want to build a soup to nuts program from age group to um, collegiate to post-grad. Well, that is amazing there. Um, uh, one question, how large is your school university? Yeah, it's only 1500 undergraduate. Oh my, that's, that's amazing. That is amazing for the program you were developed there. Well, it's not just our program. I gotta tell you, Bill, um, it's a, it's our athletic department is so supportive in the fact that our basketball team just came home from the elite eight or uh, yeah, the elite eight. And, um, unfortunately didn't make it to the final four, but, um, got it was into the elite eight. We're the smallest school. We're sitting number three right now in the Learfield cup, which um, demonstrates the, um, the uh, success of the athletic department as a whole. And that's what I enjoy. Um, I feel like it's one of the best jobs in the country in the fact that um, we are very aquatic centric and we are, um, and we are uh, very focused on excellence. We are very focused on, um, to be very frank, it's, it's simple. It's called the yes and promise. And that is yes, we will produce at the highest level academically and athletically. We will use the platform of our um, athletics, of discipline, of teamwork, of resu- delivering results, of structure to make us better students. And our, our women have a combined GPA uh, average of 3.74. So it, it kind of shows um, our focus. Well, that's, that's, that's your, uh, let me, let me diverge off into the, the one question I told you the other day on the phone. Uh, if I were a, 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 either a parent or a swimmer, tell me about why I want to come to your program. You, you I know you covered a little bit of that there and, and, but let's, let's look at it from that angle strictly. Yeah. Well, I think it's, I think it's, you would want to come to our program because we're a, a liberal arts school. We're in the fourth largest city in the um, United States in Charlotte, North Carolina. We're 1.5 miles away from the downtown culture, but in the neighborhood that we're in, the average home price is about $1.5 million around surrounding the um, school. But the key to our program, I think, is, is our staff, is our facilities, our, um, we are in the support we have. We're, we're the football of the campus. Imagine that. Mm. Um, and for the football of the campus, um, the, the, our student athletes get the deservingly the attention that uh, they should get in representing an, um, a, a university at all levels, both academically, in the community, and in the water. And that is appreciated. And thus, they get to experience what most football players get to experience. They get to experience here. But more importantly, not to, I mean, this is not a, um, 
a pat on my back, but I think one of the things that separates myself from others is I have 13 years of corporate experience as well. So I have experienced that I'm when I'm coaching, I'm coaching from an angle to get them ready for life after. So we have a mission called Building Leaders for Life. So everything we do in the water, in the community, in um, in and uh, in in life, basically in their four years here, is to get them ready to go out and make an impact in, in, in the communities that they're going to serve and to be great moms and dads, to be great brothers and sisters, to be great partners, to be great um, leaders. And so what happens is I think that's a little bit different, and I don't think it's different than how anybody else would verbalize it. What's different is a lot of people are lacking it. They don't have that corporate experience to be able to tell um, tell you how to get you to that next level. Um, they they may have people who've gone on to do well, but I actually um, in a in a top two um, at the time the company I was with was the second largest in the world in its um in its respective industry, and um, so I was blessed with a lot of training and a lot of investment. So I know how to return that investment into our student athletes. And I think the last thing is that uh, there's something to be said about having a role um, in in one of my, um, in, in being recognized and to stay here at Queens was I was offered a role of an associate athletic director of strategic planning and uh, leadership development. Thus, our athletes, our student athletes are direct benefit um, benefactors of that role. It does not take away from my coaching. It does not take away from anything else other than I get to have a say in resources, funding, and different things and how to build and move our athletic department um, in more of a strategic plan towards excellence as we're seeing in the Learfield, working together with our athletic director. And what happens is our student athletes are direct benefactors of that. And that can be seen in the success rate of what, in which we're getting into vet schools, med schools, law schools, et cetera. Well, let's go to, uh, since you have not always been a swim coach, apparently, uh, how'd you no. get into swimming and then how'd you end up at the, at Queens? Well, I, so that's a good question. I started, um, it was swimming. I swam, coached, and consulted with Coach Marsh at uh, Auburn University. And so I swam at Auburn. And then, um, which now it took me 40, I'm 47 years of age, um, 47 years old, which it took me till I was about 46, uh, 46 when I finally realized that Coach Marsh act, um, uh, asked me to join my junior year, his staff as a recruiting coordinator. When I did that, um, at that time, I was deeply honored. At 46, I realized he needed to free up my money and a spot on the program to move it more towards excellence. So I get it. I recognize it now, and I accept that. But I had to find a new role in the program, and in all honesty, and 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 um, and, and the funny part of it being gone is that what happened was he he saw something in me that I didn't see in myself, and that's um, that's the first thing that wanted me to get back into coaching was um, how do you recognize potential that nobody else has? And what he saw in me was that I was uh, committed to Auburn. I was an Auburn man, and I could um, clearly understand and verbalize the vision he had laid out and in doing so um he he thought my impact could be much greater 
alongside him building a national championship program than um, in the water. But he gave me the choice. He said, either way, we'll be better um, with you involved. But he goes, here's why I think you can make the biggest impact. And at that time, he had brought in David Bottom and Mike Bottom and uh, myself. And then um, and then we've had Jim Sheridan and Ira Klein. We had some great coaches there. And what ha- at that time, and uh, what happened is we uh, we started to go out and sell Coach Marsh's vision, and in doing so, you know, uh, four years later we won our first conference championship. Um, seven years later, we win our first national championship, one of twelve, our uh, thirteen total, but twelve with Coach Marsh. Uh, but I got as what happens with most most. Um, is I met somebody in a wedding, Dave Bottoms' wedding. I met um, met a female, and I uh, married and moved away and got into corporate and uh, spent 13 years in the corporate. But I found myself moving up the ladder in corporate in the same way. Guess what I, I found myself end up doing? I was leading others, which was coaching. <laughs> and so in that process, um, in 2009, or uh, yeah, 2009, Coach Marsh gave me a phone call and said, I'm going to be leaving um, and he did the year before, so I got a backup a year here. But he says, I'm going to be leaving Auburn and uh, starting something new, and I want to start a professional program called Team Elite. And so he asked if we could get the band back together. And uh, and I said, yeah, sure. Why would it not be responsible to leave a nice, high-paying job, um, one with lots of uh, potential and great health care benefits, to go and do mission work? Um, but, again, it, was, it ended up with the discussion with the family. Um, it ended up being exactly the right thing that needed to be done. So when I came to Charlotte to help Coach Marsh with this starting the professional team, we um, we also needed some infrastructure. So my first job was tasked with uh, raising money and um, in a de- very much in a development role and um, raising money and um, creating infrastructure. And that's when we were introduced to Queens and the president who had a vision very similar to ours and uh, she said, what if we build you a new pool and uh, they're building a new facility, um, $47 million facility, which um, they let us design it. In fact, we were just named the ultimate pool because of our air quality. We're basically an outdoor pool, 32 feet underground. Um, and so with uh, with fresh air. And so one of the things we did was we were able to build and create our own training facility, which is pretty incredible. And uh, in doing that, that's when I um, we started at that time, we also started the collegiate program. So we ran the collegiate program first thing in the morning, 6 to 8, then Team Elite from 8 to 10, and then um, practice from three, um, 3 to 5 at night, and then from 5 to 7 with our with our team elite. So we were busy and we even have a triathlon program that we started <laughs> that runs in the bin day. So we are busy. Our, our pool space is busy all the time. So that's how I got from in a nutshell, how I got from there to here. Well, give us more details on your facility since it's a $47 million facility and it's how old is it now? Our facility is <clears throat> um, five years old, six years old. And it's um, it's uh, crystal clear water. We use enzymes, Orenda enzymes, which are incredible. Coupled with a, we have a source caption of uh, the paddock evacuator built into the gutters that take away the chloramines and evacuates them outside. And then any of that excess breakdown that is not evacuated is broken down by the enzymes. And we also have. Um, let, let me translate use, for everybody um, out there. Your pool does not smell like sort- a pool. I'm sorry. Your pool does not smell like a pool. It does not. You would okay. not be able, most pools, you would get into a certain place <laughs> right. and let your nose 
um, get down, let you find a way to the right. pool. You cannot find our pool when you walk, and it sits right underneath the main lobby, <laughs> and it's right stored to three basketball courts, which is usually an absolute no-no. Right. Um, but we, it's built with incredible air quality, coupled with the Renda enzymes, the source capture, and then we mm. also use um, a, uh, we use a very new technology, which is even smaller than nanotechnology. We pump oxygen into the pool as well to help us with uh, recovering some different things as well. So it's a it's a state of the art facility with all the newest equipment. It's um, and it was just like I said, voted um, because of its standards a um, a the ultimate pool by Paddock. What are the dimensions of your pool? What do you have? We're 33 and a third meters, eight lanes, 33 and a third meters, which is great. Where we trained in 2012, we were able to put five Olympians with six medals. 2016, we put six Olympians with eight medals out of there under Coach Marsh and as the head coach for um, uh, the USA on the women's side, as you know, the most one of the most storied um, uh, successful Olympic Games ever. And what happens is um, they trained uh, 33 and a third meters, and it was pretty yeah. fun. That that's everything. Third, three and a third. It's 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 almost like going to uh, um, the old days. I found I've run across coaches who actually like the smaller pools because of the speed that the the athletes get pick up and the fast speed on the turns also. But you got thirty three and a third. That's interesting. So thirty three and a third. And if you look at where some of our success has been in the at the games and even in our pool, in, is in the strokes. And what happens is. Um, and even when you listen to Bob Bowman talk um, frequently about how he trained Michael, is they didn't do a lot of the butterfly training in 50 meters. Um, because on short axis strokes, breaststroke and butterfly, one of the things are is 50 meters is once you get um, you start to break down. And you don't want to break down and swim a bad stroke, right. a survival stroke. So 33 and a third allows you to train more of a um, distance. Um, it's much it's longer than 25 yards, obviously, but shorter than 50 meters. And that turn can help them um, practice longer distance swimming in a longer pool without the breakdown using the wall to get their stroke and re, um, pull it back together. Uh, the other thing is, is what you find is they don't get so caught up in times. They get caught up in the mechanics of the stroke because the times don't always um, convert to what a 50 uh, a yards or 25 or 50 meters. And you take that times, that factor and that um, out of their head, uh, you can get a lot done and we can work a lot of technique. It was, it was in, it was, I was going to ask you a question about your philosophy, but I think your philosophy is getting worked into it already. Yeah, our philosophy is we're very um, technique driven. Mm -hmm. We feel that sometimes we feel that uh, coaches get so caught up in the time and the distance and they get these numbers in their head, but yet then they teach their they teach their kids to trust the process. And, um, and what happens is uh, it, you've got to be able to um, – it doesn't do you any good to get 5,000 in if it's 5,000 of the wrong right, um, right. Uh, wrong yards. So what happens is uh, we're very, um, very detailed in our process, um, but very flexible in how we want um, how we want it to go. And uh, we, we, we usually start everything in with um, we build on our stroke from our kick to our body line to our breath and our catch. And then into a set where we implement it, and then we break it down, and we start to, um, as we um, cool down, we um, again break it down from our kick to our body line to our catch, our head position, our breath, all that different things. Now, Connectivity uh, across from left um, from left fingertip to right uh, big toe. Now I'm not. Uh, I've become familiar with D3 and D1. 
uh, what the, what they're permitted to do. You're the first D2 coach we've had. Uh, what are your limitations or what are you allowed to do under D2 NCAA rules? So D2 is more like D1 than okay. not with only a very few. D2 has, has was built, um, and believe it or not, what we're in right now, the season we're in is the Final Four season with um, basketball, right? March mm-hmm. Madness. Right. Well, Final Four and March Madness, that they pay that single-handedly funds Division II um, NCAA. Did not know that. And yeah, and Division Two was created with a um, with a mindset of uh, military. Is that once you served your country and had with military, you would be a little bit older when you returned, but you would not be um, able to fit in and get into um, to the D ones. So um, it, it it fit nicely. They're usually D twos are a little bit smaller in the fact right. that they're usually a little bit more rural. And um, so the resources, one of the rules that stands out is D1, you can only have a set number of coaches. D2, you could have unlimited number of coaches. That's because you got to get creative in your resources and getting them in with the budgets. D2, we, um, we're more of a um, grassroots um, roll up blue collar in the fact that um, budgets and from everything, my recruiting budget is $1,500. We're in a D1. <laughs> It may be thirty thousand, or even up. I've heard them up as much as eighty thousand. But the thing is, is we don't necessarily pay for trips of people coming in. Right. But our D, our record board is pretty. I mean, pretty right. fast with multiple right. forty-four flyers, multiple one forty-one IMers, um, et cetera, and from the women um, all the way down. So we we have a pretty stout um, record board compared to any D one school. However, um, our resources, we do it on a lot less. And I like that we're, we're driven on enrollment where, where D ones are more, um, funded through athletic department, just given a dollar amount and, um, and they go from the dollar amount. It's not, uh, they don't all have, um, enrollment dollar, um, enrollment discount rates and, um, uh, net revenue they have to worry about. Um, that's not saying all of them do. I'm just saying as a whole, they're not worrying about that. The other big thing is um, D2 is a lot is a lot about transfers a lot of times because uh, a lot of transfers usually come out of that that pride and ego of wanting to go D1 and then all of a sudden they realize I'm not making the impact I could be making yet I, I'm pretty good but I'm not making the impact. So it, it, you know I get a lot of phone calls of people who want to transfer. And is that, uh, is that easy? Is it easy thing between one and two to transfer? Yes, you, um, it is fairly easy. Okay. Yes, absolutely. And then, um, and the only other big um, is right after NCAAs, we've got to take two week mandatory time off. Um, D uh, D one has to take one week, but um, but there's waivers we can do around that as well. But the whole thing is, is that. Um, I'm passionate about D2 for the sole reason of I see a change or I saw a change 10 years ago, Coach Marsh and I, that there was an evolving uh, programs were getting dropped at the D1 um, because of finances, because of the success of spending, because of some of these different things. And so we were looking how and where would these swimmers go and how could we create a model of a structure of fast swimming that we could support the Olympic movement and growth of swimming and, and academics, but, uh, excuse me, capture these, um, and capture the fact that, uh, there's with the, as, as we see with, um, our millennials and now having our Gen Z's and all our different, um, uh, different generations coming out is big schools, big D ones aren't for everyone. 
And why do we continue to fit um, square pegs into round holes? And so what we want to do is open it up and say, you don't have to make, you don't have to lose on something in order to get something you want academically. So that's our thing. Um, that's where we fit in in D2. Now I'm going to back up a little bit. Now I'm retired Army, uh, so I just want to back up. And uh, do, are you, uh, do you have any idea yes, how, sir. what's that? Thank you for your service. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Now, do you have any idea what the number percentage-wise, you may not know this because it's, it's outside of your area maybe, how, how many vets there are or what percentage are at Queens? No, I don't know. Not, okay. in, not on our team, but when I yeah. say that, I want to clarify something, is that, um, and we do have a big GI Bill that we use. In fact, we had Marine Week here in the oh. September um, uh, to really promote and do some things. But here's what happens is, that's what it was based on. Right. It has since evolved a little bit, but we do find that a lot of international swimmers who are have to go right into the military two years after, they now find a place into yeah. D2 as well coming up. Well, that's interesting. So I, I did not know about that. Um, also, you, you touched briefly, and we've discussed this I, pretty much with every coach that's been on, about the loss of programs at the D1 level. Now, we've, we've been discovering that the D3s are growing. Uh, maybe be, uh, for a variety of reasons, they're looking to bring students in. So if they offer a swimming competitive swimming program, they get maybe 30, 40, whatever number of possible new students. Uh, how is D2 holding up? No, So D2 is growing at an exceptional rate, just like D3, because we are basically our budgets are based on our numbers. Okay. And so what happens is they're very modest. They're not excessive. But it is um, that's what kind of makes it really fun. You have to be a coach here. You can't recruit U.S. national junior teamers all the time and then um, and then just maintain them, right? That's what we see from some of the um, which is a good thing, right? That's not right, a bad right, thing. Right. But, um, a good swimmer makes a great um, good coach. A great swimmer makes a great coach. Um, but what happens is um, you really have to develop. I mean, here and I'm not saying by any means that you can't. You don't. They don't develop in D1, but here. It is, um, it is, it is creative. It is, um, your mind is always going, you're looking at how to do more with less. And that's what's very appreciative of D2. And so you don't lose that, your coaching ranks that, Hey, if I want to jump on a flight tomorrow, I could, it's, um, you, you have to take a bus. Yes. We drive to um, Indianapolis okay. um, for the NCAAs. How long but, did that take you guys? That's a nice drive uh, from North Carolina. It's uh, it, with stops, strategic stops to keep our legs fresh, about nine, ten hours. Oh my, that's a long time with a bus. Goodness, but yeah, I we'll be you. in Ohio next year. Oh, where's it next year? Geneva. Okay. Okay. Now, uh, how, we touched on it briefly. How many coaches do you have? Assistant coaches, and uh, do you have? And what's their names and backgrounds? So I have John Long, who's associate head coach, who um, was uh, graduated from Auburn, but still had a year of eligibility and came to us and uh, was able for the first time. We've had some great success um, with swimmers that have transferred out of Auburn. And uh, he left. He couldn't break. Well, first, um, uh, first of all, Jeremy Gregory, he left. Um, he would help to start the program. And he um, was our first All-American in the Butterfly he was having some trouble at Auburn and in, in, in um, getting better, and he came here and was an All-American and got his best times, 145 in the 200 fly, um, did some great things, started our program off in a nice way. And then we had John Long come in and follow him the next year from Auburn, and uh, he couldn't, uh, at that time, wasn't breaking 20 seconds, 
and 44 and came in and went 19 and um and 43 and then went and started to um started falling in love with coaching we have julie he's been here five years <clears throat> excuse me he runs our sprint group and right now you can't even get into our top 10 unless you're 19 7 i think 19 8 or 7 excuse wow. me <laughs> so um, and then um, we have Hall of Fame coach Bob Grosseth, um, who was at um, Indiana, then North, um, Iowa State, and then 20 years at Northwestern, just inducted into the Hall of Fame. Um, uh, we, we really pull from all of the youth and wisdom of uh, Bob and as a mentor as well. And then we also have Julia Sente, who is with Swim Mac and also the Bulls and at West Virginia with, um, with the great Sergio Lopez. And um, so we've been very blessed. Um, and, uh, as I told you about some of those Auburn, that Auburn transfers, we also had Brody Heck who, who was 20 point at Auburn and 44 at Auburn. And he came here this year and won at 19, four and 40, he's 42 on the relay. <coughs> so we've had some great luck with some people who want D one and thought that was everything. And then decided they wanted to make a bigger impact came to us found the love of swimming again and have really taken off. So, uh, let me back. I'm going way back here. How old is your pro is the program at Queens now? It's, it sounds oh, very we're young. Nine years old. How, how say it again. We're only nine years old, nine years old. My goodness. That is a, an amazing uh, program that you've had with the, the five wins in the past five, well, fast five past, well, actually 10 wins. Yeah, you know, exactly. Yeah. It's 10 wins. Cause it's men's and women's guys. We're counting 10 wins here in the past five years. So that is uh, yeah. that's something. So you have uh, seniors who have always been NCAA champions. Yes, we had one class. Our first class, we graduated eighteen last year. That won all four years. Oh this year, our seniors graduate um, won all four years, and we had to do it on the men's side with only four people returning. Wow! How, and well, we had our highest point totals ever. Well, how big is your program, men's and women's? Yeah, our men, uh, fifty-four total. Okay. Wow. So. It's not a real big program. No, half and half, men and women. Yeah, it's uh, it's and they, they just really, um, embrace each other and thrive off of each other's success. That's what we see. They become competitive with themselves, <laughs> so it's kind of fun. Now, um, what are the limitations, or what does can uh, D three has no scholarship uh, athletic scholarships? D one has. If they're funded, they have them. They may not be funded. What do what do you have to offer for scholarships? Yeah, I have a full scholarship on men and women in D two is eight point one. Okay. So we scholarships to give, and um, and then you can um, and then we usually most D twos give pretty healthy um, academic scholarships as well. So, but we work off of an equivalency of eight point one. Eight point one scholarships. That's pretty good. That's that's uh, they're funded. I take it eight point one are funded. Yeah, we are fun. Indeed, wow. it's funded. Not every school, though. Just like in D one, it can it can range how how they do it at every school. Oh, I understand that. My son swam for a, a university, and uh, they had a certain number of scholarships uh, allowed, but they were not funded. So, yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. And then they divided those up, which is fine. That's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Um, the uh, you, you, could you give us an? What do you? What do you? Uh, uh, do you have your own committed strength coach, and what do you do for strength and dry land training? Yeah, so I do. Um, we have a strength coach named Mark Lepkowski, who um, Mark is uh, incredible. He's worked with the, alongside um, the USOC and uh, seeking advice, and um, 
and worked with many of our Olympians and Team Elite and our he's been with our swimmers for years. I don't even walk into the weight room because he is he is part of our staff. He 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 has that he sometimes I have to be the good guy and say, Okay, 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 um, <laughs> they're good. But we've we've seen incredible increases in strength, but not why Mark and why Mark is so valuable to us is the fact that <clears throat> He understands for us to be an Olympic sports school without football is he understands the importance that we're not um, based on land. We're based in the water. So that makes us weightless. And mm -hmm. we're a pulling sport, not a pushing sport. Mm -hmm. And so it's a different type of lifting. We It's more body weight lifting. It's more um, greyhound strength and not a lot of bulk because the more muscle you have, the more oxygen you need. And, uh, and obviously with your head down, if you can keep your lines for longer mm -hmm. and, um, and in a much better way and not need as much oxygen, oxygen, you will be faster. That's just right. That's just the laws right. of it. Yeah. So what happens is, um, he understands that now he works very close with my assistant, um, John Long, because John is very, um, into our dry land and our dry land. What we do is we try to really match our explosiveness off the blocks off the walls and off into the 15 meters into our dry land. And we try to become more athletic um, so that we can, um, in our athleticism, um, outswim a lot of people. One example of that is we work with, um, instead of just working body dolphins mm -hmm. in the water, uh, we feel like one of our secret weapons is we use, um, we, we're into hula hooping. So we use weighted hula hoops to really work our um, our our body dolphins on land and um, in our dry land and you get 250 turns a day and in a body you get pretty good abs and you get a strong core which really snaps a body dolphin and if you look in the water and you look at our competitors and how we get to the 15 um, we can get to the 15 pretty quick. Well, I did notice on your website that you did have the, your strength coach listed name. Now, most uh, the, the the coaches I talk to, they they have strength they have strength coaches, but you don't often see them on the web page actually listed as uh, part of the, the 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 coaching staff for the swim team. Yeah, well, here's what happens is, and this is unfortunate. And I again don't want to speak out of turn for other people, uh, but my experience having coached at other D ones. And my friends who are D1s, who are head coaches and very significant head coaches, is a lot of them, it, it means everything to have a strength coach that understands swimming. Mm -hmm. The issue is that most of the Olympic sports strength coaches all want to be the football mm -hmm. strength coach. They want to be football coaches. So they're trying to prove and show numbers and create numbers and improvements that will be used to build a resume to promote them to be a football strength coach. And the problem with that is that is not going to help a swimmer become faster. No, it's not. I, I have also uh, noticed that also because that is their ultimate goal to get on that big, I hate to say it, higher paying football staff, which is you know, yeah. just the way it is. Now, now, let's go. I don't want to leave out your championships. I want to leave that out because we that's what, what really drew my attention to you guys. Uh, you, now, you guys are in the Bluegrass Mountain Conference. I assume you dominate that. Well, no, not really. Yep. I mean, we have won the last five years, but okay. let me tell you, every meet is a struggle with us. I mean, when I say that, we have Wingate right here. Who Wingate had Kirk Sanaki is an incredible coach and um, one of my best friends. And um, uh, and I mean, I'll tell you, it's uh, the old saying, "Steel sharpened steel," is that uh, 
we've been in 2016, we got, we won. He was second. Mm -hmm. Um, he's been in the top 10 with his programs for 10, 12, 13 years now. If you look at Wingate swimming, it's pretty incredible. And what he does with what he has and, um, and how he develops people. I have the utmost respect for him. And, um, and we have a healthy rivalry as well. Um, but we talk about everything. We don't hide anything. I mean, we, we have fun and we are constantly, I cannot rest on my laurels one day because he is out there, um, trying to, as I was with him to try and overtake, he is trying to overtake. So our conference with Carson Newman and was, and it's a coach run conference. I'm the president of the okay. conference. Kirk is the treasurer. It's a conference that is, um, that are kind of teams that don't have, aren't sponsored within the real conference. And it's also, it's a conference that um, has a lot of depth and a lot of, um, a lot of speed with it because of the fact that uh, we, we believe in the numbers. So we try to combine and do things because there's not automatic qualifiers like in basketball, like in different sports. Uh, we, we presented a model to create these teams to come in and kind of combine and partner with other conferences in cross country and in swimming numbers drive people to be better. So we try to bring in a lot more numbers instead of just having a conference that is, um, you know, 300 swimmers. Um, we try to, I mean, or 200 swimmers, mm -hmm. we try to really bring it up and, and just, um, and bring in the teams. I think we had 13, 14 teams this year and it was pretty cool. It was really nice. That was a, had to be a crowded deck. Now, it's it. We do it at the um, Mecklenburg County Aquatics, where they have the ultra swim. Um, it's a great deck, great pool, fast swims. We break it. We've broken many national records there. It's a good stuff. Now, with the dimension of your pool, do you host meets? No, because we are a training facility. Okay. Um, we are a training facility. We built that, and unfortunately, because we're landlocked around these million and a half dollar homes on average, <laughs> is that we we really um, we tried the the um, uh, the administration worked so hard, tirelessly, trying to find us a fifty meter to where we could put in fifty meters. But at some point, it was just becoming it wasn't fitting <laughs> in the right. footprint that we had to fit it in. So we, um, the next best thing to us was a 33 and a third with a bulkhead where we could go 25 yards, 25 meters, 33 and a third meters, um, at 25 yards or 25 meters, we have warm down space. It's just beautiful. And it, we sell out every time, but we don't, our, our seating capacity is just perfect to always have a full house. How far is that from your school? Oh, it's on campus. Oh, it's on campus. Okay. Well, okay. Fine. Great. Great. Now, does it you share any of that with high schools in the area? No, um, we're it's always so busy. It's not that okay. we don't want to. Mm -hmm. We do a couple meets um, for our private high schools, and like I say, we we partner with Adam, which is a club team here, which is um, per um, I guess pound for pound against the swim mac and everything. It's probably one of the highest performing programs and um, probably the highest performing program when you look at what they're producing with. The numbers, it's so few less than some of the big, massive teams, but it's uh, very powerful, and I'm so proud of our, our alumni, Jeremy Gregory, leading that as well. Now, this is, a, so. this is an oddball question for you, and I, but I ask it to all coaches, not just you. Uh, the first time you stepped on the deck at, the, let's say, the NCAAs, and you n knew, you, you at least you had a good hint in the back of your mind that you guys were going to win. How did, what, what was your, how did you feel that first step on the deck? 
no, that thank uh, that is that is uh, something we we just recapped uh, not too long ago. So that's a very appropriate question, um, and I've been working with some other teams about that. Is uh, you have this honeymoon phase, which is actually reverse, right? Honeymoon is after, usually after the uh, mm-hmm. after the ceremony, but you have this honeymoon phase called the chase, where it's really exciting to get close. In 2014, <laughs> we're third and fourth, um, third in the women, fourth in the men, and that that is always fun and motivating um, when you can see when you're in arms length of a championship but i remember a very defining moment in 2015 when we brought the group in um pre-season or not pre-season but right at uh right at the beginning of the season and we sat them down and started talking about the very real fact that 2015 was going to be the year to win the championship we we now experienced getting hardware and how to act and how to organize on the stands that was very important and we went through phases Bill, we had one where our goal was just to pick our seat, and uh, we, and kind of our joke was, don't pick your nose, you can pick your friends, but more importantly, we want to get good enough to pick your seat, and anybody in swimming knows that that means when you get to a certain place, you get to, at NCAAs, you're not off in a corner anymore, you, right. can, you can get and pick your seat, and you can have a good view of the, on the competition course, so we wanted to pick our seat, once we got to picking our seat, that goal, then we wanted to experience the um, uh, the the award stand. How would we act? How would we? What's the feel? The weight? All of that? The getting the um, getting the mini trophies? All that? Once we did that in 2014, then it was time to start discussing championships. And in doing that, we um, I remember our first meeting. We talked about winning. We talked about this, and the meeting ended up. And my assistant coach came in, and I, I asked for feedback, and I said, "What do you think?" of the meeting he goes well can i be honest and i said i would only expect that and he said you you scared the hell out of him you scared him he goes all you did is remember we want to focus on the process not an end point i said good point and i said so what's your i said so what was wrong he goes you just talked about championships and championships and it just their eyes were bugging out and they were scared and i said oh i said i said get them call them get them back in here let's get them back in here so we got them back in and they sat down and um, I started hammering him on championships. And he looked at me like, wait, we just talked about that. And I said, no, what you said to me was the truth. They were scared. We have got to talk this until they're not scared anymore. We've got to talk it through every time. And we've got to roll every practice has to be how we will practice to become champions. And then every meet will be how do we perform to become champions. Every Um, travel trip. How do we travel to become champions? How do champions travel? We will do everything under the, um, under the heading of champion so that they are not scared by it. When we get on deck for that first time in Indianapolis in 2015. And, and so we felt that really helped because 2015 championship, if anything could go wrong, Bill, it went wrong, but because we reverted back to our, and in, in you in being a military guy, mm-hmm. you train, 96% of your time is training so that if anything were to go in the fog of war, you will revert to what? Muscle memory. Just Muscle go back me- to, to what, you're taught, what you're training, so, yes. Training. So here's what happens in 2015. I get distracted. The number one thing you're not supposed to do as a coach, I'm filling out a relay card, and I get distracted in talking, and I look down and I write a wrong name on uh, the relay card. 
So I automatically, when it was already predicted to be about a 20-point separation in the race, I disqualify our medley relay because I put in the wrong oh, relay name. My. Oh, my. So I own that. Then I have one of my captains come up to me and say, Coach, pain is temporary, Royals pride is forever. So we start getting on our way, and we start we, we get it to where we're very manageable after the first day. Then we get in striking distance. They swim out of their gourd on the second day. Remember, it's a four-day meet right. in, in Division Two because we have the 1,000. So what happens is <clears throat> we start cranking out some really special stuff. And then, Bill, I can I swear to I remember this like yesterday. I haven't been sick up to this point for 13 years. I have not <laughs> been sick. And I remember my stomach. I remember at lunch exactly where I ate, and I thought, did I get food poisoning? Well, I leave the deck – on that night, I have somebody take me home um, because separate from the team because I'm not feeling well. And I'm sick. I lose 15 pounds of getting sick. And I tell my staff comes and gets me the next morning. And I said, I think I'm better. I said, I think I had food poisoning. And they said, no, it's not. And I said, yeah, I think it was. I know exactly where. And they said, the team is getting sick. Oh. Oh. And then I found out when we got to the meet, <laughs> other teams that, uh, that were staying in our hotel were sick. <clears throat> they all had the norovirus. Our hotel had the norovirus. But we still swam. Matthew Joseph still broke a national record in the fly. We had guys that were hiding in the locker room because they didn't want to get pulled because they knew I, I, I would tell them, it's okay. We don't. It doesn't have to be this year. We're not going to jeopardize your health. They were like, come, come hell or high water, we are going to compete to win a championship. And we were on fumes, Bill. We were on fumes because we were so sick, but we still won. Men and women in 2015. That is a heck of a story. Oh, yeah. Overcoming. Overcoming is the bottom line there. Huh? Overcoming is the bottom line. It was preparation. That's all it was. All they had to do is stop thinking and just – all I said is fall into the water and it will happen. (laughs) Now, uh, do you want to talk? I'm going to give you. I want to give you some time if you want. I don't know. Not all coaches want to talk individually about swimmers because it is a team. Uh, but if you if you want to talk about discuss this year's NCAA's, feel free. Yeah. No. This year's NCAA's was absolutely an amazing experience in itself. Um, this year's NCAA is what made it so unique. Every year has been different, um, and that's that's how we that's how we're set up because. We make changes. In fact, we, we, we're not making enough changes until a lot of our swimmers, until we know how we measure it, is our swimmers will tell us, hey, it worked last year. Why are we not doing what we did last year? And it's like because we've got to keep evolving. Well, this year, we only had four people returning after graduating 18. So, And we had 20-some freshmen, and they all they were all leaders when we recruited them. And we had to get them and teach them that good leaders know when to follow as well. There was a lot of head-to-head with our upperclassmen, a lot of um, what used to be on cruise control, on our system, on the process. Our freshmen were questioning whether this was right, whether this isn't how they did it in high school, this isn't how they did it in their club team. Um, a lot of things being questioned, which is great. It's We want people to ask questions, but we also want them at some point to trust the process, and we have to earn that. Well, what happened was um, we, we had to do a lot of shaping. Our men were in rough shape going into the semester, 
and um, we we made sure we brought some people in at the semester that could make a difference. And what happened was we we spent a lot of time in development. We worked with the Marine Corps. We worked with a sports psychologist. We worked with um, our head of our FCA, fellow Christian athletes, to do um, purpose-driven lives. We did culture index with Northwestern Mutual came in and did um, so that we could understand where we all fit into this um, team process. And um, we worked with, I pulled every resource from my resource bag that we could. And uh, we built around a theme of protect what you've earned. And so um, we, we really went and um, worked on that and that we were blue collared, nothing would be given to us and we would have to earn everything. So we earned every rep in the weight room. We earned every yard in the pool. We earned our reputation in the community. We earned our reputation around the school with all of our new freshmen, and we protected what we earned all year. And that um, we took an early loss, and, and then we started coming around at exactly the right time. And then what made this NCAA so unique is I remember Eddie Reese telling me one time when I asked him, what's the hardest part of being a coach, especially a coach of an Olympic team? And he said, the hardest thing is knowing when to stay the heck out of their way. And I remember um, telling my assistant coaches, we just got to get the heck out of their way. They they started, they wanted it, they were not going to be denied. And the men won every event on the first night. That was just absolutely amazing to me. That had never been done. They were on, they were breaking records, not just new records, old records. They were doing things. They were unstoppable. And I remember we forgot to cancel. We didn't have one meeting during the whole NCAAs because we didn't need it. And I, I remember I was waiting in the van and, and uh, I, was, I was like, where's everyone? And they're like, shoot, we forgot to cancel one. So I walked in and I looked at them and I said, oh, all gas, no brakes. And they start <laughs> chest bumping each other and run out, get into the bus. And I mean, it was, and we didn't have a meeting after that. And it was, it was incredible. And um, that's all I can say is the biggest challenge our staff had this year at NCAAs was to get out of their way. Hmm. Nobody wanted to be on the outside looking in. All scored but two. I mean, it was amazing. That that is an amazing program you have there. That was an amazing NCAAs you had this year. Um, Thank. Uh, it's just something, and to hear it now, folks. I want to tell you, yeah, if you if don't listen to this, you you can't listen to this particular podcast once. You have to listen to it. I'm not trying to drum up more clicks or anything like that, but there's so much. Uh, presented by the coach here that you really do need to go back and listen to it twice at least just to hear the the, the stories the training the overcoming uh going back to your basic your training uh it's it's an amazing program and i think you won't you won't get the full benefit by listening once i you know again like i said i'm not getting clicks out of this i don't you know we're not doing that. We're this is a swimming podcast, but we're not getting thousands of clicks. But we do, we do want you to go back. I do encourage that. Now, coach. Uh, now, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, if you have any final last comments you'd like to make, feel free. Nah, I just um, want to remind every club coach. I want to remind every parent out there that um, one of the reasons we swim so fast is because we find the right people and. Um, and they're fast people, right? Some aren't always that fast. We have great stories with the Zach Phelps. I gave Zach Phelps a scholarship because I needed his last name right before the 2012 <laughs> Olympic trials to get clicks out of mine and get people to see Queens. 
I, I said Phelps commits to Queens, and we <laughs> it shut down. It shut down our whole um, our whole server. And um, but Zach Phelps went from a 154 200 backstroker to a 142 to win NCAA's a senior year. Um, and uh, we we have people like that all over the place. Um, we have two Paralympians. We have Hannah Aspen, who um, has one leg, and she went from 104 to 10, um, 101 in the 100 backstroke. And um, we have just some fun things happening. But they're happening. I'd like to take all the credit, but it's not without – it's because they found the right fit. And finding the right fit is so important in life, um, in jobs, in um, marriages – relationships and friendships and everything. And we know that if you don't have the right fit, sometimes what happens, <coughs> excuse me. So what happens is, is that what I'm trying to do is I'm the impact I'm trying to make is trying to keep the ego away um, from um, trying to say, you have to go D1. You have to go here. It is D1 is absolutely the right choice for a lot of people. But if you find it not to be the right choice, do not be afraid that you cannot come and swim faster, get faster. Matt Joseph came to us as a 47 um, hunter flyer. He ended up 44. He was a 147 IMer. He ended up 141. Marius Kush came to us at 47 hunter fly, ended up 44, the fifth fastest ever performance. 44.3 would have won D1s. Ended up a 141 IMer, just like Matthew. We've had story after story. Mm -hmm. But it's because they swim happy, and we also believe a smart swimmer is a fast swimmer, and they do well in school. So that's all I want to say is the big thing about D2 and being the first on your program is D2 has its place, and it, and it, and it is a home to a lot of people. There, If you need money to go to school, although it's not because we're an established system, we don't have it every year for everyone, mm -hmm. but the whole thing is mm -hmm. you can find between Division two or Division one or Division three or mid-majors or NAIA or junior college, there is a home. Don't quit swimming. It's a lifestyle. Well, so that's my you. final uh, words, Bill. Well, thank you, Coach. Hey, in closing, I want to thank... Uh... Uh, John and Prof for, for for producing this very very amazing podcast. I want to thank thank Coach uh, Jeff Dugdale from taking t the head coach of the Queens University uh, of, out of North Carolina, Charlotte, North Carolina, for taking time out of his day uh, for being on this particular Southwest Ohio podcast. I want to remind everybody that on Friday we're going to have a, uh, a, a podcast uh, devoted to the Jose Surd Aquatic Foundation, and then on Monday we're going to have the Army coach on. We're talking about the Army program. Now, my final thoughts, if you're not getting wet or watching someone else getting wet, then you're not trying hard enough. So I challenge you to find a pool and get wet. This is old Coach Bill. Thank you for listening and wishing you a good day.